0: To the growing forward podcast where we are discussing new ideas and solutions for humanity as we grow forward the discussions here center around sustainability permaculture regenerative agriculture and business specifically ethics-based business i'm your hostess bethany latham so welcome to episode two of the growing forward podcast Today, I have the honor to speak with the founder and director of award-winning Santa Fe local farm source, Squash Blossom. They won the City of Santa Fe Small Business of the Year in 2018, the Small Business Administration's New Mexico Home-Based Business of the Year, and the City of Santa Fe Mayoral Award for Sustainability and Food Security. This is the founder and director, Nina Yozel Epstein. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so curious, first of all, to hear how you came up with the idea for Squash Blossom. It's so like innovative in the world of CSAs from anything I've seen.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Well, it was an evolution, certainly. Um, it wasn't just like a lightning bolt that struck me one day. I started my work in the food sector on the farming side of things. I was traveling and farming when I was younger and uh, living in Australia and New Zealand and India farming. And um, when I came home to New Mexico, where I was born and raised, I was working at the Santa Fe Farmers Market and um, volunteering on different farms and just wanting to be part of our local food scene here. And there was a local nonprofit organization that got, they specialized in economic development And they got a grant to work on the food economy, but they didn't know a lot about that side of things. And so they hired me to connect farmers and chefs because that's what they had some funding for. (laughs) We called it Farm to Restaurant. And I had one of those gigs that was like, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you take something that sounds awesome. And then it turns out <laughs> that it's, uh, they pay you for 17 hours a week and you work 50. And I just, I loved it. <laughs> it's the hustle. Totally. You're like, this is worth it. It's Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> it was worth it um, because I loved what I did. And we started this program. And then when the grant was over, you know, they were done with it. But it had built all this momentum and it was working. And we had all the farmers and all the chefs that I had been connecting said, can you keep doing this? And so the nature of the work with Farm to Restaurant was basically um, bridging that gap. We had farmers who didn't always know what what outlet they'd be able to have for their produce. And we had chefs that didn't always know what was coming. And there was a lack of communication and reliability and consistency on both ends and um, so I was, I was helping facilitate those interactions. And when the grant was over, um, like I said, there was interest in me continuing to work. So I brought, I wasn't quite ready to start Squash Blossom at that stage. <laughs> um, I was young and didn't have all the confidence yet in it. So I what I did is I brought the program to another nonprofit and um, continued to apply for grant funding to kind of help us Iron out the kinks of this work, and and have the support of an organization behind me. And so, in the nonprofit sector, um, I continued the work of supporting farmers and chefs. But I also rounded out my role and did a lot of educational work around why local food is important for our community, um, both on the policy side of things and with with chefs and eaters and everyone. And um, it was a great opportunity to kind of round out my skill set in communicating about these things. And I had some wonderful mentors in the nonprofit sect. And then after a while, after a few years, it became clear that most of what I was needing to do was transactional because I ended up representing over 25 local farms and selling to over 30 restaurants. And for people who aren't familiar with Santa Fe, we're so lucky we have it's, we're kind of a culinary destination. We have some of the most incredible chefs in our small, small city. We're really fortunate to have such good food. And as you and I know, um, good food means good ingredients. (laughs) I think you can't have it without. Yeah. So this just built so much momentum that it really became clear that that's what I needed to be working on um, full-time and didn't need any more grant support because it became a business. And so that's when I left the nest and incorporated squash blossom. So it was a really organic evolution, if you don't mind me being really <laughs> corny. Corny.
0: <laughs> but um,
1: <laughs> I know, I the try. puns never end. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's been five years now of wow. squash blossom. And we just finished our fifth season. And the the part that you were just referencing at the beginning um, that's similar to a CSA – Unlike some businesses start with retail and they grow and they expand and they get into wholesale. Mine went the other way. I started with wholesale and that was because of the farmer and chef connection. But really to support farmers, I needed to show my um, purchase power. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't going to get a lot of farmers wanting to sell wholesale to me if I was only selling or buying a few um, dozen pounds. I was able to say okay, give me all your apples. Give me all your peppers. I'll buy hundreds of pounds of these things because I was working with these large restaurants that go through so much, so much food every week. So that's why I had to start with the wholesale. Yeah. And then
0: it's really a lot better for the farms.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's a one stop drop. And, um, honestly a lot of farmers went into farming because, and I can relate to this (laughs) unlike other entrepreneurs. Um, People want, uh, farmers want to be in nature, not necessarily around people. They want to be quiet. They work really hard, really long hours. And they're out in their fields and the marketing side of things and the sales and the distribution, super crucial, but not always the, the... second, like the innate nature for farmers. And so it's just really nice to have someone else handling all I, I handle all their marketing sales distribution and bookkeeping, and they farm and that is not like they, <laughs> they farm every hour of the day, you know, and they're dealing with things like these in New Mexico, up in the high mountains, we have these like 40 degree temperature <laughs> changes in a day, you know, like right now. We're preparing today. Everyone's um, scurrying around trying to get every last thing out of the field because we're getting a hard, our first hard frost mm-hmm. today of the season.
0: Yes, it's been a crazy last few days. <laughs> trying to get everything
1: in. Yeah. yeah. So so farmers have enough to deal with here. Yes. <laughs> That's just today. But you know, we have hail, we have drought, we have floods, we have pests. And so it's, it's a lot. So to take one thing off their plate and handle the distribution side of things. That's been uh, really great. So as I was saying, when I came out on my own as squash blossom, I added a retail component. And that's what you're a member of. We have a local food subscription service. And that's where we're similar to a CSA community supported agriculture. But the difference is, our customers don't have to pay up front, they just pay as they go. And they're able to get a a blossom bag, we call it, either every week or every other week or once a month or pause for travel and come back on. And so it's um, with the really convenient uh, software that people have been coming up with and we've kind of customized our own in the last few years, um, we've really made it very user-friendly, which I'm proud of. And the other difference um, between us and other CSA is that we are, you know, there are other multi-farm CSAs, but that's what we are. We represent over 25 different farms. So we always have a really interesting mix of products. Definitely. You go year round. It's
0: a very abundant bag from what I've seen with other CSAs where it's just coming from one farm. It seems like your structure really takes the pressure mm-hmm. off of that individual farm to be able to provide enough produce for a whole community throughout the season.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that you say I was going to be like, well, let's just talk about your experience (laughs) because I'm so grateful that you're a customer, you know, and that's it's so valuable. It is a a nice balanced mix. I have some in every week we have maybe a, a leafy green, like a salad green. Maybe a cooking green and then some snacky things that you can eat. Um, I deliver to a lot of workplaces. Mm. So you can snack on cucumbers and cherry tomatoes and blackberries at your desk and then go home and like cook up your kale and your potatoes or whatever. So we try and keep it really nice and balanced. And, you know, the notorious CSA kind of fail (laughs) is when your customers end up with just like, a bag of kohlrabi and like 10 pounds or 15 pounds of kohlrabi. That's always the joke, Uh you know, and I love kohlrabi (laughs) and, (laughs) and pickled kohlrabi do it, you know, but, um, but I think a lot of customers, they like the challenge, but they don't want to only always be challenged, (laughs) you know? So I try and balance that where I'll, if I give them, I mean, it's surprising what people will, will be, um, people aren't familiar with certain products because, you know, when you're in the field, you, you are really comfortable with uh, Romanesco and um, shishitos and yeah, like a
0: huge variety of produce, celeriac. Right.
1: <laughs> these, these kind of one off things, even fennel. And then I have customers that are like, What the hell is yeah. that onion thing? And I'm like, That's a fennel bulb. And so, I started doing these little Nina's notes in all the blossom bags.
0: Yes, those are so sweet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they try and talk about if there's anything that I think people won't know what it is or what to do with it. I describe like, well, this is a great way to use this product. And have you ever tried cooking it? You can also eat it raw. This is really good for pickling. This is really good for sauteing. And don't cook this one too long. And so I try and give tips about cooking um, or if the bag is full of things that are pretty common, I'll... Um, Share stories about the farms. Um, every note has, you know, full transparency, of course, of each product in the bag and where they come from. And they're all within, um, they're all within New Mexico. They're usually all within a hundred miles or even less. Except for next week, Bethany, we're going to get pomegranates. Oh, I'm so excited! It's still from New Mexico, but they're coming a little farther. They're coming from like three hours away, down um, near Las mm. Cruces and Alamogordo. So. Where I'm super excited! Yes, I saw your beautiful pomegranate,
0: pomegranate tattoo on your back. It's awesome, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I, yes. like, I yeah. know her favorite plant already. I bet. <laughs> what drew me to you, you know subscribing to Squash Blossom initially is that allure of eating local and eating seasonally and being challenged with the things that I wouldn't normally mm-hmm. pick up at the grocery store. And I think that's like the coolest thing about it. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, it's really nice. I even get that benefit where I'm just like, what should I eat tonight? Oh, I wouldn't have been eating these, but they're here. And now what can I make, you know, and so it's, you, we still supplement our food with, you know, obviously, like, things that don't come locally, like olive oil and <laughs> coffee, those are the main ones, of course, you know, if, if local food can inspire, and if local food can be like, your kind of, your meat and potatoes, um, those are easy to get local <laughs> anywhere. And if they can be the foundation to your meals, then it's easy to kind of riff off of there. And I mean, I get some chefs that call me and they go, I'm going to open a new restaurant. It's going to be a hundred percent local. <laughs> and I'm like, can we set some attainable goals so that you actually ever buy from me? Because yeah. more likely than not, I'll never hear from that
0: person again. Yeah. Or hear of their restaurant, probably. <laughs> right. I think we
1: just have to like, get our foot in the door, get started, find our relationship to the seasons, find our relationship to cooking and to the love of food. And, and from there you can make really big things happen. You know, I mean, there's no part of me that's pretending that we're all eating only local and our restaurants that buy from us are a hundred percent only buying from squash blossom, but they're, they're keeping me alive they're keeping the farmers alive my staff alive and they're they're telling the story and they're inspiring people about what they can do with local food and that stuff is enormous you know it's like one step at a time towards changing the world and then eventually we I, you know i mean i do think that we can overthrow the industrial food system and we just have to start somewhere
0: amen i totally agree yeah. <laughs> and it's not about being perfect right it would be so much better if right. everyone was just trying their best and not, and not shooting for perfect because none of us will ever attain that.
1: Right. And then you just do nothing. And that would be more.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Just be a sad, depressed <laughs> to do person something. eating a McDonald's all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go back really quickly. This is like way back, but I also lived and worked in New Zealand and Australia on farms for two years. Oh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so curious. Where were you? I was in Adelaide okay, and outside, yeah, mostly
1: in the South and then up in Darwin too, outside of Darwin. Okay. So I was kind of in that center strip. Where were you in Australia. Um,
0: Australia? In Australia, I worked on like a startup permaculture nursery in Montville, which is in the Glasshouse House Mountains on the Sunshine Coast. Oh, nice. Okay. So, yeah, like East Coast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then in New Zealand, I worked um, in the North Island in this tiny little town called Waka on the sustainable 10,000 acre organic sheep farm called the blue duck farm. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That that was like totally the beginning of my food love and journey as well. That's so mm -hmm. interesting.
1: We were just out there this last year um, and we we didn't make it to any farms we really wanted to, but just being out there was so gorgeous. And most of their food was local because they can't, it would be so inefficient to not have it be local. (laughs) 'Cause uh-huh. it's just so isolated. And um, yeah, we ate really well in their libraries. Oh my god. We were in love with their libraries. But when I was in New Zealand, I was on the South Island in Takaka. Okay. Yeah. And the South then South
0: Island is so beautiful.
1: Oh, everything. Everywhere is so beautiful.
0: <laughs> New Zealand.
1: And then did you say India too or just Australia?
0: No, I haven't oh. been to India. Oh, it's yeah. on my list.
1: Yeah. Well, I was farming in Oroville, which is an eco village with a lot of farms. I I don't want to Misquote how many farms, but definitely in the dozens. Um, and you should check that out when you. Yes, it's in Tamil Nadu.
0: Okay, awesome! Yeah. But- <laughs> I can't wait to go in India. Yeah. Sorry, that was a total segue. I just had to ask.
1: I know. No, it's really fun. I'm excited to uh, speak with you more because it sounds like we have so much
0: overlap. Mm-hmm. So back to squash blossom. I'm just curious, uh, why did you choose the, the squash blossom as your emblem? Oh well. I was
1: struggling with finding a name and I was choosing all these sterile things like farm source and just like really meh. Like, and then, (laughs) I don't know. It kind of, it kind of struck me, I guess. And then it was just so clearly, yes. And since then I've justified it in a million ways. Like (laughs) I'll tell you my little, my spiel about the blossom. One, it's a culinary delicacy, right? So we see those on menus and, um, you can only get them locally because they don't travel well and they don't hold up long. So you pretty much have to harvest them that day and then prep them um, and eat them. So if you see a squash blossom on a menu, uh, it is local, which is great. They are, they're vibrant, they're strong, they're cheerful, they have a big flavor, a big presence, and they're so delicate. And I feel like That's the same with our local food system. It's the best. It's it's the most vibrant and the most nutritious and the most flavorful. And it is up against some really big, scary things. And if we don't actively vote with our forks, and if we don't actively protect it and pioneer it, then it can get squashed by the industrial food system. And so we're here to be like, The squash blossom keepers (laughs) we're here to really cheerlead this this movement and and stand up for our most delicate things and then they'll do the rest I mean they do the the shining and the and I mean these ingredients they speak for themselves like my my role isn't I'm not much of a salesperson and which is great because I don't have to be I'm just like here's here's a vegetable you tell me what you think Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if anyone's ever done like a taste test between a local vegetable of any sort and a conventional vegetable that's been sitting in a grocery store for God knows how long and traveled from God knows how far, hands down, the local food's going to win. And so it makes my job really easy because I'm not trying to pull a fast one on anyone. Right. <laughs> I'm just presenting
0: the the information and then letting the foods do the rest of the work. It yeah. makes your job a little bit easier. And are you the only person who is working or employed by Squash Blossom now, or do you have you erected a team around yourself? Well, I have. I feel like I have a a pretty big team. I only have one part
1: time employee. I have one part time employee, but I have a big team, meaning that you know, I mean, I work with over twenty five different farms and. I have over 30 different restaurants and that's the team, you know, like, and you and all of our retail subscribers. I mean, we have like hundreds of retail subscribers and and that's the team, you know, and we're all in this together and we'd be nothing without all those different components. And then I have these amazing local people who helped me. Um, My friend Lacey Adams designed the logo and, I love it. And she designed the bag and it's super cool. And she's a local designer. And then we have the local printers, Monsoon Printing did the the printing of the bags. And then I have um, my friend, Catherine Davis is bookkeeper extraordinaire. And so, you know, I mean, all these people, they're the team. (laughs) I'm the only full-time employee, you know? Yeah, it's a group effort for sure.
0: Absolutely. I love that. The nature of that business is so community. It is. It's so amazing. it would, yeah,
1: it, it's, it's not just me at all.
0: So you have the 25 farms that participate. Is there like a screening process if someone who's listening is a farmer locally and they want to get involved?
1: Yes. So we work with local farms that are able to deliver to Santa Fe once a week. So that's one thing. From there, the next hurdle is they have to have product liability insurance, which isn't that bad. (laughs) I found there's a lot more um, really accessible insurance options popping up now that more and more places are requiring it. A lot of farmers markets require it. And so I have contacts on easy ways to obtain product liability insurance. And then we have food safety protocols, which I'm uh, willing and able to train farms in to make sure that they have good um, harvesting, washing, and packing procedures that everything is triple washed and, you know, that they have traceability on their farm. So we have kind of standard food safety um, requirements. And I visit every single farm that I work with. So, you know, we're all kind of in the same within driving distance. And and like I said, they do drop off into Santa Fe uh, once a week, and they can do twice a week if they opt for that. And then I aggregate their product out to all the various locations. So farmers can contact me.
0: Super cool. I want to go visit all these farms too. Yeah, you can come. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would love that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> let me know. Seriously, if you're driving there, I'm always looking at the back of the Nina's notes, like, ah, oh, one day I'm going to make it out to all these farms. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd love to do farm tours. We've done some dinners. That was one thing I tried for one of the seasons. We call them squash blossom suppers because we have all these incredible chefs. And so we rotated restaurants and did squash blossom suppers. And those were a huge, a huge success and people are still asking me to bring them back. And so we're just kind of fine tuning the logistics and, I would love to bring them back. And my, my dream is to have them on farm and then have the chefs rotate, but but come out to a farm to do it. So that's just, it's a logistic puzzle and trying to get there, yes. but um, it it's on beautiful. my mind. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> Everyone loved those. So I know it's important to, yeah. to do that and break bread with each other.
0: Yes. I'm looking forward to that coming back for sure. Yeah. So they all all the farmers drive into Santa Fe once or twice a week and then you just meet them and have you worked out in advance kind of what they're gonna be supplying you with for the week? Yes. Um so the farmers tell me
1: in advance the week before and they say, Hey Nina, next week I'm gonna have four hundred pounds of sweet peppers, um unlimited tomatoes, unlimited salad mix or whatever their availability is. They kind of tell me. Or they'll say, you know, we're, we're running low on this. So only list 30 pounds. That's a big piece is just inventory <laughs> and not overselling. Yeah. So I ask farmers to be really specific um, with their estimates or conservative even. And then I list them for sale in our... Um, so this is for the restaurants. For you guys, for the Blossom Bag customers, I choose what the bag is going to be every week. And so I just choose the best of each season and um, change it up every week. And But for restaurants they custom order um, by the case. And so for the the wholesale platform for chefs looks like an online store and everything listed there is available by the case size and they place their orders and in real time the inventory is deducted and then I I aggregate everything. I kind of process all the orders, send them out to All the different farms and all the farmers have their harvest lists and then their harvest lists include whatever I've decided to put in the blossom bags that week. And then they drop everything off in Santa Fe. I have two big walk-in coolers and they fill those up. And then me and my staff come and um, we pack up the blossom bags and then we deliver the cases by the case to the restaurant.
0: Okay, sweet. That sounds like a very in-depth system that you've worked out
1: and lots of communicating <laughs> yeah, I, I, back and I hope, forth.
0: <laughs> I
1: hope that was palatable. I, yeah, it's funny when you're so in something, it's, you forget how to talk about it to someone who no, who No, But um,
0: or, It's good but, to hear it <laughs> step by step. It just seems like a it must have taken a little while to, to like get all the processes in place for that to work really smoothly.
1: Yeah. And it's evolved. And like I said, I, so this is Squash blossom's fifth year, but I've been doing this farm to restaurant work For over ten, and so it's um, definitely evolved. It's definitely improved every year and gotten more efficient. And we're a social enterprise. Um, The mission is the heart of the work: making this work for farmers, um, having a fair price from farmers to eaters, and making sure everyone is protected in that value chain is of my top priority. And so the systems evolved to just make it. Really, it started just making it as convenient as possible for farmers, Mm -hmm. and then as convenient as possible for chefs and now uh, i'm i'm like so what do you guys need and what would make this really work for you and the blossom bag piece has has really evolved in the last couple of years as well i started the subscription piece like everyone can customize what goes in their bag every week and that was nutty oh, and it became <laughs> it was actually the the feedback i got was that they didn't want to everyone opted for the farmer's choice bag, which is what we called it. And um, so it's like 90 some percent did. And then we'd have like one person wanting radishes that, and we didn't have radishes that week. And then I'd ask the farmer, okay. And then like one bunch of radish (laughs) and he, or she was like, that's (laughs) not worth it. So, you know, so we kind of ironed out those kinks and then realized, okay, we're just going to offer this bag. So the bag has, you know, five or six different items in it a week. And then you can always add on, even today, you can still add on eggs. These are really great farm fresh eggs that have the yummiest, richest
0: oaks. (laughs) Yes, I get the eggs and I love them.
1: Yeah, I love them so much too. And then we also have locally roasted coffee and we have locally made pickles. uh, Yeah, local pickles, local kombucha, local jam, mustard. So we have all these like value-added products That's what we call them in the industry. And um, (laughs) you can add any of those to your bag. And in the holidays, which are coming up, we have a holiday bag, which is all the value-added products. So it's more shelf-stable. It's not produce, but it's more produce-inspired products. And then that's a really great way to gift the taste of local in the holiday season.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I've been curious to see how the Blossom bag changes as the seasons change, Do you have to stop doing so much produce?
1: I do produce year-round, but it gets pretty kale, potato, shiitake, beets, carrots, you know, pretty rootsy, dark leafy greensy. So it's still awesome. I mean, I would eat those things all the time. Absolutely, you know? that's what you're so... supposed to
0: eat this time of year or as it gets cold. Exactly.
1: Gets cold. I definitely retain a lot of customers year round. Some people switch from every week to every other week if they can't make it through their potatoes in time mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or their carrots or whatever. But yeah, we go year round and the feedback I get is that they're impressed with this selection in the dead of the winter. And so every year we have more farmers doing more season extension. So I'm pretty confident about... The future of of winter products in new mexico
0: i know just for me i'm a one person household and my boyfriend eats with me a lot and i ended up just switching to an every other week blossom bag because i just couldn't eat all the produce it's really you're really giving a lot and it's super affordable i'm just so happy to have found this source
1: Oh, thank you so much, Bethany. Yeah, it's, um, you know, for your listeners, it's $28 a bag if you buy just once, or if you get a subscription, it goes down to 25 So we really try and give a good value, and um, we really want that feel of abundance. Yes. So I'm really glad it comes off
0: that yes, way. Yes, you have achieved the feel of abundance. When I'm comparing that <laughs> to, like, how much money I spend if I go to the grocery store on produce, first of all, when you're at the grocery store, like – there's just, at least for me, I end up getting always way more than I actually just came in to get. But I'm, spend, I'm spending less money on produce now with the blossom bag and I can pick it up right next to my house. So the convenience and value are definitely there. Nice. So how is your, your vision for squash blossom in the future look? Well, you know, sometimes
1: I have uh, really big visions and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're just going to squash blossom all <laughs> over the world. <laughs> just kidding. Not not the world. Not the world. But I do get a little like, well, this <laughs> this is working. This is a good little system. This is working. Maybe we could do nodes. You know, I have a lot of demand for um, people are always asking me about bags for Taos and Albuquerque and chefs are always asking for those things and I don't deliver that far away because it becomes really inefficient for me but I could see having someone like me run a squash blossom Taos or squash blossom Albuquerque and then from there I love that who knows we could do um, Durango and Boulder and, you know, wherever we could keep going. Like it yes. can, it can know. It could can franchise, franchise squash blossom. <laughs> it could franchise and it would always be mission driven and it would always be a social enterprise and, um, integrity is the heart of our work and, um, relationships are the heart of our work. And so when we're faced with some of these bigger things, people always are asking me about, blue apron and amazon fresh and they asked me about those those larger scale programs and i just feel like consumers are i hope (laughs) um i've in my experience consumers are smart they they have consciences and they have hearts and they want to do the right thing and they're sure there's greenwashing and there's a lot of people telling you you're doing the right thing, even if they're not. But um, our, with Squash Blossom, it's all about relationships. It's all about transparency. And it's all about really knowing where your food comes from and knowing your farmers. And so that's something that you can't scale in the same way that these other large, large companies are scaling and outsourcing. You know, this is all about mm-hmm. local. And so that's why I feel like we could franchise Squash Blossom and it would stay in these these local communities and these local nodes and it would be different in each community but um Mm -hmm.
0: the kind of large scale ethically based business
1: absolutely and it would have to be if I have any say in it which I am 100% owner right now so
0: (laughs) I do have say (laughs) I want you to franchise just for the good of the world (laughs) (laughs) thank you do you have a dog uh can you hear him yes I have two (laughs) i have two as well mine are currently like yawning on the couch (laughs) i wish
1: mine were they're like definitely playing right next to the computer i I hope it's not getting
0: in the way no i think it's charming i hope my listeners will find it charming because it's gonna be an inevitable (laughs) thing if they stick around to listen to this podcast oh no
1: oh no yeah they're um I think they know that I'm doing something quiet and focused. So they're just like, we should just attack each other right here.
0: (laughs) They're like pushing my chair over. Classic. That's an amazing vision. I really hope that that happens. And if people out there are hearing this and they are like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. I want a franchise with Squash Blossom or just you know maybe they're interested in contacting you to be a farm source locally or mm-hmm. any of those things they can find you at squashblossomlocalfood.com uh-huh. and then squashblossomlocalfood on Instagram and are th- are those the best ways to contact you Yeah
1: yeah the dot .com okay. probably the most yeah and then we have an Instagram presence we have a Facebook presence
0: my partner has
1: a farm Um, here in Powake. And we sell at the Santa Fe Farmer's Market every week too. So you can find us there. The restaurants that I sell to they're all on the website as well. So if you want to know where to eat in Santa Fe that has local food, they're all on our website.
0: That is so cool. The farm that you work with your partner is Groundstone yes. Farm. Yeah. Right? Are you very involved in the farming? I would imagine Squash Blossom keeps you pretty busy. It
1: does keep me pretty busy. It's really nice um, that we have such different roles that are so compatible because I handle, you know, the sales and distribution, and um, Matt is the jefe on the farm, and it's it's really compatible, and we don't really have to compete for who's. <laughs> going to do what i definitely loved Mm -hmm. i love to weed um it's it's kind of my favorite thing spiritually (laughs) you're just making room you know you're just like making room for things to thrive and cleaning out and it's just the best it's the best and so i definitely do the weed like things like that and and covering crops with row cover and (laughs) like today but for the most part he you know he's incredible he studied agriculture and university and um, is really strategic with everything. And he's passionate about seed saving and growing really unique varieties of everything. So that's his forte and I'm really proud of him. Yeah. It seems
0: like a beautiful partnership.
1: Yeah. We just got some new land in Nambe and we're getting ready to cover crop it and um, build our soil here so that we can live in the same place that we farm which will be enormous. Wow.
0: That that's super exciting. I saw on your social media that you're renovating an adobe house in Yeah. That.
1: Yeah. So that's been a big part of my year this year is learning all of that, which is really amazing. Adobe is so incredible. The floor was totally unsalvageable and um and yet we still have this structure because um with those strong thick adobe walls, you don't they're not dependent on The foundation, so... They, mm-hmm. they have their own foundation so that's been really encouraging <laughs> and it's just beautiful
0: that's so cool you are just doing all of the things makes me tired just talking about <laughs> all of the different projects you have going on that's so awesome I'm a and little tired <laughs> <laughs> you can really accomplish a lot if you put your mind to it and you're passionate about what you're doing yeah i mean i'm tired right now i it's i'm looking forward to the frost a little bit i
1: think anyone who works in ag it's a it's a bittersweet thing when you get your that's first just- heart frost. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to some fireplaces and knitting
0: this Mm -hmm. winter. It's like you have to know (laughs) you're going to spend less time doing what you love the most, but you also get to look forward to a little bit of rest. Yes, exactly. So I have just a few questions that I would like to ask you. And the first is, Okay, what is your required reading for any listeners out there?
1: There's so many good things to read. And when it comes to ag, um, I'd say you know, Michael Pollan did us all a huge favor with um, the Omnivore's Dilemma and food rules and all of those because people who aren't quite um, familiar with local food or the benefits of eating your veggies, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he really took some of these concepts that might have seemed like hippy dippy and made them really practical and made them really palatable. And so those are always really excellent introductory books. Um, I listened to your introduction episode, and I'm just totally smitten with anything Windleberry. And once you get through Michael Pollan, then you're ready to just really get into yes, the poeticness of really <laughs> agriculture and local food, and yeah. So then you're then you can go to Windleberry for that. And then I guess I would suggest for people in New Mexico. Um, well, no, you don't have to be in New Mexico to read this book. But a lovely New Mexican author is Stan Crawford, and he wrote A Garlic Testament and Mayordomo. And uh, I know a few farmers who moved to New Mexico and began farming just because they read A Garlic Testament. And so he's one of our kind of celebrity local authors that you can still meet at the farmer's market when you come um, to Santa Fe. So that's always a sweet, a local choice.
0: Perfect. And your favorite plant? That's tough. Love them all.
1: I'm partial mm. to. I'm partial to squash blossoms. I'm partial to chilies, and I'm partial to pomegranates. Mm-hmm. I guess if we're gonna talk, so the chili gets enough play.
0: New Mexico surely it does.
1: In New Mexico, it does. You know what I love about it is, um, like I was talking about earlier, our climate is so extreme, and we have some competitors that will remain nameless, Colorado, um, who think they can grow chili as well (laughs) as us. (laughs) And really the reason that our chili is um, unbeatable is because our conditions are so ridiculously extreme and the chili gets its heat from those dry, stressful, hot, hot, hot days. It's unmatched and it's delicious and we put it on every single thing that we eat in New Mexico. So I love the chili for that. And I was born and raised here. So I have a lot of loyalty and pride um, to the chili. And then like you said, I have a pomegranate tattoo. So pomegranate for the abundance of um, and the fertility of all the seeds and the jewels that they hold, um, the juiciness. I love seeds personally and just the that they hold the whole plant within them is so exciting to me these little things that can be so easily overlooked have every single thing that they need to for like a whole tree (laughs) it's unbelievable you know so um any seed anything that represents the seed is um exciting and a pomegranate is just so full of them that um they're one of my spirit
0: fruits for sure Did you ever read The Chronicles of Narnia? You know, I did when I was a kid. I remember one of the books, I think it's like The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, maybe. I could be wrong. They go into the earth. There's all of these stones, like diamonds and gems, but they're edible because they're so soft because they're so warm deep in the earth. And I remember reading that as a child and being like, that's what pomegranates are. They are just such a – Yeah. They're so beautiful. They're jewels, but you can eat them. Yes. And just unwrapping them as a little child too. Oh, my goodness. It's like mm, the most magical. Experience. Totally. I know. It's like a treasure hunt every uh-huh. time. Every Still. Oh, I'm really yeah. excited for the pomegranates soon. I know. Me too. I can't wait to put them in the blossom bags. Mm-hmm. So my final question for you is – is what piece of advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are wanting to start something they really believe in uh, that you wish somebody would have given you when you were starting out? I guess
1: the piece of advice that I regularly like to tell people
0: is, you
1: know, because you hear some of these entrepreneurial podcasts or stories and it's really great to be exposed to entrepreneurship and to, I love listening to um, mm-hmm. How I Built This good one. and and like your your podcast. And you know, you don't go into entrepreneurship to get rich. You shouldn't, right? (laughs) I don't think you should. You know, I mean, maybe some people do, and maybe that works out for them. But I think, you know, just um, go into something that you're passionate about. Remember why you went in, because it's going to get hard and it's going to get, you're going to have a lot of opposition, you're going to have failures, and if you remember what got you into it, and if you are sincerely passionate about what you're doing, then that is the light that stays on. And that even when maybe you can't even pay your bills, (laughs) that light is on and um, you have to just keep, keep your own light on and be there for yourself in that way, because there's going to be times where it feels like people don't believe in you or it's not working or other external things. And then you gotta, you gotta just keep trying at it.
0: Yeah. I think that's really valid to make yeah. sure you're, you're, if you're going to go all in with something, make sure it's something that you care enough about that. You're not going to get tired of it or easily discouraged, easily discouraged. Yeah. Cause the going will get rough. Thank you so much, Nina. You are so awesome. Awesome. And I'm even more happy now that I'm a subscriber to Squash Blossom after talking to you. Uh, Yeah, I really hope that everything just goes incredibly well for you in the future. Likewise. Once again, people can find you at squashblossomlocalfood.com. You can find you on Instagram at squashblossomlocalfood and on Facebook as well. Is that squashblossomlocalfood too? Yeah. All right. Thanks, Bethany. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay, guys, so that was Nina Yozel Epstein, awesome lady. I'm so glad that she took the time to share her super inspiring business ideas and accomplishments with us today. And I'd just like to mention to anyone out there listening who was interested in the fact that Nina and I both traveled abroad, New Zealand and Australia, and she went to India as well. If you are under the age of 30... And a U.S. citizen, you can get a free working holiday visa for a year to New Zealand. So when I was 23, I dropped out of college because I wasn't really happy with what I was doing at that time. And really just wanted to get to know myself better and experience some things before I graduated and went into the workforce. So I bought a one-way ticket to New Zealand and was there for a year and just found it to be the most welcoming, friendly country. It was super easy to go there with very little money, and I think I had $1,200 saved, and I ended up traveling for close to three years just, you know, getting jobs on different farms and, you know, working in hostels in exchange for accommodation. It's just a wonderful thing to experience, and I know a lot of people feel like traveling is totally out of their, their grasp if they don't have a lot of money, and that's not the case. You don't really have to have a lot of money to travel. You just have to plan and be brave and... You know, have a little bit of faith that things will work out. And it's pretty incredible to, to experience other parts of the world. Um, after New Zealand, I think my plane ticket to Australia from New Zealand was like $200. And I had made that much money working on farms and for different people in, in New Zealand. If you want to go to Australia, there's an awesome website called Gumtree. That's really good for finding jobs. There's also Woof. Willing workers on organic farms that I used a little bit, but not as much. And then traveling around Southeast Asia from Australia was incredibly cheap as well. I mean, I'm talking like $35 flights between Bali and Malaysia. And I think I paid $75 to fly from Malaysia to Thailand and was able to live off of $5 a day, you know, safely and easily. So definitely don't let economic restraints hold you back. If you want to travel, you can absolutely do it. And if you want to hear more about how I managed to travel as a young lady by myself for three years internationally on $1,200 initially, I'm totally happy to talk to anybody about that. As always, you can contact me on Instagram. It's probably the best way. Uh, My handle is bethany underscore growing forward and i just want to thank you all so much for taking valuable time out of your day to listen to this podcast i hope that you found it inspiring and informational and uh, if you like it i would really appreciate if you take a little bit more time and just leave me a review and whatever podcast playing platform you prefer it's a lot of peace there thanks again have an awesome day bye guys Summer, save me. All the structures of my time are insecure. With false foundations, and I look for truth and find the views obscure. Without borders in our minds, could we make peace with our own kind? Your fire feeding mine. Pump, like. pump, 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 pa pump, pump,